Warning, this episode contains graphic detail regarding suicide that some people may find distressing. Listener discretion is advised. This is episode 8 of a Chosen People podcast with special guest Julia Cobbs on the topic of rising above mental illness, part 1. Welcome to a Chosen People podcast. My name is Lou Obatero, and every Tuesday I share with you conversations I have with disciples from all around the world on how young disciples like myself can live a life worthy of God, what they've learned from personal experiences, and pieces of advice they have for my generation. Together, we explore solutions to modern day problems and what it truly means to live chosen. yourself this question before. Do Christians get depressed? Well, it's usually who you least expect. So yes. On today's episode, I have a discussion with Julia Cobbs, campus ministry leader at the University of South Florida. She works alongside Lens Daniel, a previous guest on the podcast, and attends the Anchor Point Church of Christ. Julia and I discuss the origins of her mental illness, misconceptions around depression and anxiety, how to cope with mental illness in college, and personal techniques she uses to rise above. Okay, so Julia Cobb on today's episode. Uh, Julia, you want to say a quick hi? Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. I'm super excited to be here. Um, it's been a good day with a little bit of the weather changing for like five minutes every mm-hmm. once in a while, <laughs> feeling <laughs> cooler. So I'm excited to be on here and uh, and end my day talking to you. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's Tampa weather. I uh, I just I just drove up uh, yesterday with my dad and my brother to oh, yeah. North Carolina. So so I'm up there right now. Um, just oh. for like the next two weeks or so celebrating with my brother and stuff, but it's, it's freezing up oh, I'm here. So jealous. You can feel, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have seasons, right? <laughs> it is. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm hoping to be down there, be back down there in um, two weeks or so, but by the time that I get there, I'm expecting it to be very chilly. Of course. I mean, like, like you said, like it, it's been feeling a bit more colder than usual, right? Yeah, just a little bit. And it's also like that annoying Florida weather where it's really cool in the morning and then by the end you're shedding all your layers oh, yeah. by noon. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. that. That's good. That's good. But um, what's been going on in your life recently? Like anything good? Any good news? Yeah, you know, I think um, I just graduated from USF in December. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been, thank you. So I've been experiencing life outside of school. Um, and I was working full time through my senior year. So it's been really nice to not have to like worry about submitting any assignments. And I'm around a bunch of mm. campus students. Um, so I, I can feel their pain and I, I don't have to do anything about it, though, which is great. Um, <laughs> no, and so, yeah, so I've just been working full time. Um, and yeah, just kind of living life, um, planning a a few different events here and there, um, working on going back to school for my master's degree. So yeah, just kind of living life right now and we'll see what happens. Mm. 
Sounds good. Sounds good. So just for context, though, you said that you're working with the church right now? Yeah. So I um, work full time on staff as one of our church interns here in Tampa, Anchor Point Church. Um, and part mm-hmm. of my job is co-leading the campus ministry with Len Spaniel, who I know was on here recently as well. Um, so mm-hmm. that's been pretty cool going from a campus student to like an intern of the campus ministry to an intern for the church helping lead it. Um, uh, and then now being a graduated student myself. And so basically, Lens and I work together um, kind of behind the scenes for the whole ministry. Um, and then he does mm-hmm. a lot of the, the upfront stuff. Um, and I do some more behind the scenes stuff alongside him um, and work with the, the women's part of our ministry. Um, and then I just do some random things here and there uh, for the church as a whole, like our social media, um, different events, putting that kind of stuff together. So it's been really interesting. I was really excited to not be in school and be working full time. I didn't expect it to be during a pandemic. So it hasn't been <laughs> as traditional as what I thought. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's just kind of what I'm doing right now with the church. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Now, I did hear you say that you're in charge of the social media aspect of the church. So does that mean that like you're in charge of the the Instagram uh, account? Yeah. So uh, basically all the interns, um, there's four of us, including Lens and I, um, have different aspects of the of our church's social media. Um, So originally Mm -hmm. I was doing our Facebook page and our Instagram page and that split up. So right now I'm just doing Instagram. Um, so anything you see for the AO Instagram or the anchor point Instagram is, is from me. Um, Mm. which is always really funny when somebody talks to me and then they also DM the church and I'm like, surprise, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, or, you know, working on our, on our Yelp page or putting different stuff out there. Um, and then some of the other interns do more stuff on helping with the Facebook page, helping with, um, the teen ministry page or, just our like day-to-day Sunday stuff right now, especially during the pandemic, working on editing our sermons um, and mm-hmm. putting all that together. So it's really a team effort. Yeah, I was, I, was, uh, I was asking because I just noticed that like the majority, if not all of like the pictures that are on that page are like so like professionally like taken. Oh. And it's just like <laughs> even like the captions and everything. Yeah, it's just, it's such a professional page. It's really good. So I wasn't sure if there was oh. like, no one one woman behind the job oh. it sounds like it, it's that so thank you thank you i appreciate that um yeah so like 90 percent of the pictures are ones that um that i've taken or edited and then um you know the rest of the 10 percent is is stuff that i that i've stolen <laughs> legally um but i i love right. taking pictures and capturing different people in the church it's been harder during the pandemic but it's still fun right right that's good that's good to hear so today for um, our topic that we're going to be speaking on, it's a bit similar to another episode that I did in the past, and uh-huh. it's mostly centered around mental health, right? That yeah. you and I already um, discussed it beforehand. And mm-hmm. from for, for context anyways, I mean, I know that you'll elaborate on this, um, but it, to me, it sounds like, you know, you've definitely had your um, share of, you know, mental uh, illness experiences in the past and even yeah. currently, um, it's definitely been, you know, a struggle. It's been a prevalent portion of your, um, both your testimony and your, your current life. Mm-hmm. So for my first question, um, when did you start noticing your mental health taking a poor turn in your life? 
you know, um, I have memories. I, I wasn't diagnosed with anything until college, um, but mm. I, I have memories of symptoms of or any type of like abnormal behavior since as young as I was maybe like four or five years old. Um, mm. And then when I was about 13, it became like a little bit more prevalent. And then probably like a poor turn, gosh, when I was in maybe eighth grade, so like 15, um, 14 or 15 is probably whenever I was able to kind of recognize that something was wrong um, officially. Right. What were you feeling at that time? You know, I, <laughs> I, as, like you said, I, I've had um, my fair share with, with a couple different disorders. So just like a quick um, like explanation of that is like my first symptoms that I remember now I know are from my OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, that was probably the first thing that I started noticing at a really young age. And then when I was 13, more like depressive symptoms and self-harm, um, a lot of like body image shame um, that I don't even really know where that came from. Maybe my family, you know, I, I, I again, I was, I was an average weight for a 13 year old and nobody was saying anything to me, but the culture was different back then. And then around age 15, uh, a lot of stuff had happened in my life. And so I started having a whole lot of anxiety attacks, my depressive episodes, my OCD. Um, I developed an eating disorder at about age 14. Um, so everything, like, that's why it's like, it was a literal sharp turn. Like everything went wrong all at once, um, wow. which is wow. overwhelming for a 15 year old. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was gonna say like all in like the first, I mean, just about two decades of your life, pretty much, and especially because yeah. it started at such a young age. So you know, it's like sort of like that childhood basis that um, it was built upon. I know that that's like one of the main, I guess you could say, perpetrators of um, mental health um, issues. You know, in a lot of people, that it definitely it starts at childhood, which is yeah. it's hard. So I, I know I, I get what you mean. And I'm, I'm really sorry about that. And yeah, it's okay. been continued. You said that like you weren't really diagnosed with anything until college. So was it like it got to a point where you felt like you needed to go see a doctor or was it um, just you, you were first self-diagnosed and then you went to the doctor to ask yeah. about it? Yeah. So I, I, for most of it, it was pretty like self-diagnosed. With my OCD, I just thought I was crazy. I didn't know that I had OCD until college. I, I really did. And so it was like a really big relief whenever I got diagnosed with that. It was really validating. Um, and then with everything else, honestly, a friend pushed me um, because mm. I had been in therapy a little bit when I was younger. And it, it got to the point in college where all of that stuff was so overwhelming. I was drinking and using drugs, had an addiction problem. And, and my, one of my friends was like, hey, we, we don't want to see you like this anymore. Not because we, we hate you and we're not going to stop being your friend, but like we love you um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, want you to, to love yourself and, and do something about this. Um, and that was really the first time that somebody had acknowledged it. It kind of felt like this thing that we were all ignoring and just kind of letting happen. Um, including myself. So that's when I started at USF, um, like my sophomore year of college, um, going to the different awesome free resources that we have on a college campus um, on, on my own terms and, and just kind of starting to figure all of that out. And then 
through college, just kind of continuously working on my recovery, um, which, like you said, is still prevalent in my life today. It didn't it didn't end when I walked across the graduation stage. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's stuff that I still have to take care of. Right, right. I mean, sometimes we do imagine it to be like that. Like yeah. with, with my anxiety, I um, I was re- I was really feeling it around. I think it was like about January, February of this year, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, when Corona hit, I was told, you know, we were all told to, of course, like go back home. So I flew up to North Carolina, but as I was flying there, I was thinking like, okay, whatever anxiety I was feeling at the time, you know, that that can go away. You know, like, like that's not going to follow me to, yeah. to North Carolina because of course, like, you know, like we're going to have two weeks off, I get the time to relax. But it's funny because those two weeks were like some of the most stressful two weeks of my life, uh, mm-hmm. really just over, um, you know, what was going on with the virus and figuring out what we were going to do. And I didn't really get a time to breathe. And then we jumped back into school and it was like, yeah. So you're absolutely right. That it doesn't just leave you. I think that's a misconception that a lot of people have when it comes to this, like that if they change their, their position in life that, you know, all of a sudden those feelings will go away. But I mean, sadly they don't. Um, But how have you personally been like coping uh, with your anxiety and your depression since you really noticed that it was prevalent in your life? Yeah, good question. Um, I definitely didn't cope at first. <laughs> I definitely tried to mm. um, shove it away and, you know, either want to like ignore it or pretend that it wasn't happening or I just didn't really care. Um, and so, you know, like I mentioned, a, a friend wanted me to go to therapy. Mm. So I did that for a while and I did a lot of treatment that was great and really helped me. Um, and it wasn't until I became a Christian, I honestly, I thought becoming a Christian, I thought I would pop out of the water and, and <laughs> be cured and, uh, and not have to think about this stuff any longer. And it wasn't until after that, that I realized, okay, I did all that work, but I didn't do any of it for me. Um, and so going back and starting to do that work with like a new perspective of, you know, that was almost four years ago now um, that I became a disciple this week, actually. Like, oh, wow. Congrats. Yeah. So I was like, man, okay, God's given me, thanks, <laughs> this whole new opportunity, um, a new way to see my, my life in the way that he's given it. Um, and so I wanted to be able to start working on myself. So once I started doing that, figuring out how to take my therapy seriously and like really honor myself um, was when I started kind of learning how to cope with the anxiety and the depression through therapy, through being open with people, through journaling. Um, And what techniques were better and which ones were not as helpful? um, You know, I think really being open with myself um, and open with other people and kind of like working on erasing that stigma <laughs> that I had kind of grown up with um, really started to help. Mm-hmm. Like having a name, having a title for what I was going through um, really started to help me have, like I said, like that kind of shift in perspective um, and realizing that the more that I talked about it, the more other people could relate to me um, and help me feel a little bit less crazy. Mm-hmm. That's good that you found a way to be open, that you found like that outlet and knew that it's not really like the way that, you know, people portray it to be as a, as a stigma. 
right? It's it's yeah. it, like there are other people that um, are highly functioning, you know, in their lives that do so struggle with this because, but they're highly functioning not because you know they like suffer from like a little bit less or whatever, but mostly just because they found techniques and they found healthy coping mechanisms that have not completely made it go away, but at least helped them to still go through like the day to day. So uh, yeah, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. What what has been your toughest moment with dealing with mental health issues? Wow. Um, you know, I <laughs> I don't know how to answer that honestly because there's been so many. <laughs> um mm. and it's it's kind of hard because right, like with with each of those disorders that I mentioned, like I could probably pick like two you know, hot moments that could make the news on, on some really mm. tough moments. But I think there's one that comes to mind that has a happy ending. So I'll share that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whatever you're comfortable with, it's all good. Yeah, obviously. It, um, I, I feel super like passionate um, about sharing as, as vulnerably as I can. Um, even if I'm uncomfortable and seeing if, you know, if I feel comfortable pushing through because it may help somebody else. So trigger warning for anybody listening, um, for, uh, Mm -hmm. for suicide. But when, when I was in high school, you know, many of these things were so, um, just had complete control over my whole life. And so I really genuinely never considered that I would make it to age 18 or go to college or get married or, have like a real job um and and so I, I really genuinely never considered it and I, I applied for colleges um just to kind of make my parents happy or kind of fit along with with everybody else and so you know part of my real plan um was to apply I'm from South Carolina and I wanted to go to a school there and my plan was to kind of go and get away from everybody and live my life how I wanted to live, um, knowing that like I would probably eventually die there. And I got into that school. <laughs> and uh, I only got into two schools right away, USF and then this school in South Carolina. And I really didn't want to go to USF. I didn't want to stay in Florida. I didn't want to go to USF. I really wanted to go to this school. And I got a $10,000 scholarship to go to this school. Wow. And even with that, my parent, it was a private university and they, they couldn't afford to pay it, didn't want me to go out of state. And so I ended up going to USF and I, I mean, I sobbed for like the first two weeks every night. I was so upset that I didn't get to go to my, my dream school and my dream state. I was upset that I felt like I had to continue living this lie because I knew people in Florida. I knew people in Tampa and I was so tired of living that way, but I really didn't consider another way (laughs) like that ended with with health and love and relationships um and so eventually probably towards the end of my freshman year at USF um was when I had my first suicide attempt and I mean amen it was you know an uncompleted attempt but I think I take two things from that one negative and one positive one is that the next day I went to class I had lunch on campus. I called my friend. I like nothing had changed. It was completely normal and super lonely. Um, and two, that amen, it, it didn't happen. Um, 
And I, I'm living a life today that I never, I mean, if you had told me that night, like, hey, in a few years, you're going to give your whole life to God, you're going to have all new meaning, you're going to be in recovery, then you're going to be leading a campus ministry. Like, I would have thought that you were on whatever drugs I was on. I would have thought you were crazy. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that was a, that was a really, really, really tough moment. Um, But, you know, that one came to mind because it has a happy ending, but also because we, we really don't know how many times that happens. That, That happens so often that people hurt themselves or attempt to take their own life and it's uncompleted. And the next day they, they still have to live their life. Um, they still might get pulled over and get a traffic ticket or get bullied or, you know, stay in that relationship, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so I think that story is, is actually a really common one. Um, but I want to share it to kind of make it a little bit more, um, normalized because that was my darkest moment on campus. That was on campus. And now I like go and want to like evangelize on this campus and like lead women's Bible talks. And so God set me up on this really beautiful path. It wasn't easy, um, but, but super worth it. Um, So it sounds like what was driving you to take your life was kind of despair and a feeling like you were at the, the end of your road. Right. Yeah. I was exhausted. I was I was really really tired of living how I was living and uh and I was really tired of of hiding it cuz that's like double exhausting is it it would be like you know if if you should be you know you can't walk you know and you have a wheelchair but then you're just walking anyway you're just trying to figure out how to do it or walking around with asthma and no inhaler um and saying like no I don't need that and it was just it was just exhausting and I was just pretending all the time um and I really didn't have any hope until I started studying the Bible um Jesus gave me this whole new like perspective on on hope and a life and so living without hope is like living without water um absolutely I was just exhausted Mm -hmm. and what connections did you have around you like were you were you mostly were you isolated for the most part or did you at least have some people or did you have negative uh connections with people (laughs) uh all of the above I had Mm. um a lot of good friends from from back home so they were a couple hours away that I would still communicate with regularly or see regularly because we all still lived in Florida and it wasn't too far away um And then I had one like really strong friend on campus, but I, I, you know, I look back at that time and I feel terrible because I don't believe that people with, with mental health disorders are a burden, not one bit, but it's also important to recognize the strain that that has on a relationship, especially if you're trying to pretend like it's not there. Um, and so, you know, this was the same friend that, that encouraged me to get therapy and, um, you know, she, she did the best that she could and I was doing the best that I could at that time. And, uh, you know, she wanted to go out and have all like different relationships, friendships, dating, find a church. And I, I just really, you know, wasn't interested. I really, really just didn't care. I wasn't interested in, in doing anything at that time that would be healthy for myself. Uh, And so it really, Mm -hmm. truly like studying the Bible is, is what changed my life because I started, um, 
living and, and working around disciples and studying with people who love God, whether it was school or studying the Bible, um, being open and being loved in a whole new way uh, really is, is, is what like that next turning point was for me. Mm -hmm. That's the turning point for, I mean, a lot of, um, you know, like people who were in a, in a similar situation that you were in, I think. Yeah. And it just goes to, it just goes to show, I mean, like the sheer power that the word has on unrelenting or lost souls. Absolutely. Right? Um, I did want to say though that I'm I'm really sorry um, to hear that basically that's what you went through. I remember that you opened up with um, the the ministry uh, mm -hmm. about that. I think it was around like this time last year or so. Um, yeah, about so. I think it was. Yeah, and you know, like like you talked about it as well because the whole thing was kind of just centered around um mental health and you gave us those pamphlets I remember uh -huh. that and I think I even still have mine on me but um I remember that that night you know I definitely thought like like that that's truly what it means to be open and to, to aid others I guess mm -hmm. you could say um and it, it truly did trust me I mean like the fact that I'm remembering that night till now was truly helpful but I mean to oh, see God. where you were like in comparison to where you are I think it's just a testament to anyone who feels like they're too far gone in their life. Um, you know, like, like I think that, especially because of the people that reached out to you, that was a big paradigm or it was a big paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. um, that was, that, that was within your life that, that, that brought you to somewhere else, not because they were forcing you to, or they were coercing you to, and you felt like you had to go out of guilt, but it more so sounds like you truly wanted to be there and you truly wanted to actually look at who this Jesus guy is for your own self. I think yeah. that's awesome. I, I appreciate you sharing that. I remember that night and it's, it's funny cause I, I never always truly know how people feel. Um, mm. but I know that if they feel something, they might be hiding it. And so I'm just going to say it anyway. <laughs> um, so, so that's cool that you, that you remember that night and, uh, and I'm glad it was helpful. Yeah, no, trust me. I mean, it's like, like even if, in the moment right or for that night kind of it seemed like you know everybody kind of went back to like their own lives like it was still on all of our hearts in some mm -hmm. way shape or form and i mean i was definitely impacted by it um i wasn't you know i don't think i was really like thinking that i had anxiety or mental health like that night but i mean like looking in, into the future into uh where i am now trust me i yeah. i needed that night and, it, and you know if it didn't like seriously impact me man it definitely impacted me now so thank you for that um, now what, I know that you said that you had connections around you and that, you know, like people that I guess had a positive influence on your, um, your mental health and a negative influence, mm -hmm. but a lot of it like comes down to like, like that, that discretion between what is positive and what is negative. Um, a, a lot of it kind of comes down to like what those people's personal beliefs are and what yeah. their sights are, uh, when it comes to the regards of mental health. Mm -hmm. and anxiety and depression and all that so for people listening right now um kind of just wanted to to ask you what what do you feel like are the big misconceptions or what do you feel like people misunderstand about mental health as a whole wow good question um you know i think there's two things that come i mean there's a lot but like maybe two things that mm -hmm that come to mind is that I think a lot of people, whether they are suffering 
with a specific disorder or symptoms or nothing um, can have that like stigma thought process that it's really something that's easy to get through or over if you just try hard enough. Mm. Um, and I really, I understand that train of thought, but I, I think that it's super invalidating. It can be invalidating to ourselves. Um, and I think that's a lot of the reason that I didn't get help for a long time is because even though I was literally dying, I still didn't think that I deserved to go get help. And so it's kind of like you have to ask yourself, okay, so then when do you deserve it? Um, or why don't you think you deserve it? And, and why, why are we living our lives and validating ourselves and our brothers and sisters? Um, and so I think it's really important, you know, one, that we strive to understand it because we all have, we all have mental health, <laughs> even if we don't have a disorder. Um, mm -hmm. And so that would kind of bring me to my second point is that we can really get, you know, stuck in comparison. Um, you know, and, and oh, I'm not, I'm not that bad. And sometimes I feel bad sharing my story because it's, it's a lot and I, I'm aware of that. And so then some people who, uh, you know, just have one disorder are like, oh gosh, well, like you are the one who needs therapy. Like I must be the one to get through this, which mm -hmm. is offensive. To <laughs> like <a> competition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, trust me. No, don't, don't feel bad about it. Trust me. I don't like, that's what I heard from somebody, um, a while ago, that it's not, it's not a competition of like, you know, who has the most, uh, uh, physical, uh, sorry, what do you call it? Who has the most mental ailments, yes. you know, it's yeah. more so just, even if you have one, that's the equivalent to, you know, having 10 because it's at yeah. varying intensities for each, for each person. Yes. Um, and then I, I would also say, you know, other people are going to invalidate us. Um, mm. and, and sometimes that comes from a place of, of really like well-meaned intentions. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's not hurtful. Um, and so, you know, like I kind of shared in my story earlier, it wasn't until I started doing the work for me, um, and kind of trying to become my own person and not worry what my parents thought about mental illness, or even like what my friend who maybe also has depression, like it can look different on different people, but really just finding the, the confidence and the self-compassion to focus on myself. Um, right. and, and, and again, not get in that, like stuck mode of of comparison or invalidation does that does that make sense yeah yeah i think that with to that, to that regard though about um you know taking care of yourself have you you mentioned before that you kind of did complicate things in your <laughs> own uh pursuit of trying to get better uh i mean that, that, that now you thank god that you clarified was one of those misconceptions that taking care of yourself was selfish in a way? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You've just listened to part one of this podcast. To listen to the next part, go to the homepage of the Chosen People podcast on whatever podcast streaming platform you're on. Part two should be available. I'll see you there.